You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it's Drew here with Josh and Connor to talk all things MLS and U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team, and just soccer abroad over the past couple of weeks. Because we, it's been a couple of weeks. We had an off week. I'm um, trying to get some things straightened out, but we'll talk more about that. But it's been a while, guys. So, Connor, how's it been two weeks? How's it been for you lately? It's been good. Hockey is just absolutely insane right now because they have the draft and free agency within, like, two days of each other. So all of the trades and all of the signings are currently happening. And I'm trying to pay attention to it as much as possible. So I haven't been off Twitter probably for the past week, um, which both good and bad. Uh, TFC playing real well, which I'm sure we'll get into because they're the best team in MLS right now. Um, and yeah, school is just going. I got reading week next week. So hopefully this podcast gets up or next week's podcast goes up. A little quicker than it will this week, because I have three assignments, which I still have to start all three of them. Uh, but, alas, who cares? Josh, how are you doing this week? I am doing okay. Real quick, did you say reading week? Yeah. Like, like book fair week, or... You get a... Do you guys not have this <laughs> in the States? Well, we, we have the, like, in elementary school, the book fair comes. Like, Drew's laughing because he knows what I'm talking about. So yeah, when so you, I had a book fair in elementary school too, but well, so yeah, when you say re- reading week, that's the first thing that came to mind. But what exactly is that? Reading week is basically just a week without classes where you're supposed to do reading. Oh, but what nobody the heck? does reading. Everybody just chills. Or, in my case, because I'm a nerd, I just do work the entire week. We have so reading basically. Day it's just like a, it's just like a fall break. Yeah, pretty much. You yeah, guys, see, reading day is the other one that I'm getting it confused with. Yeah, throwing me back to elementary school here. See, we we got we got a fall break in high school in in my county at least. But once I got to college, it was like you get Labor Day, and then you just like go for three months, and then you get Thanksgiving break for a week, and then you get a week of finals, and then you're done. So it's not really the best way to do it. So I wish. When I was in college, we had a reading week. But anyway, the last two weeks for me has been fine, I suppose. Nothing crazy going on. I mean, sports-wise, it's much of the same. The Falcons are still terrible. And after we're done recording tonight on this Monday, get to go watch them embarrass themselves on national TV against the Packers. Uh, Oh, the Braves, they won a playoff series. I can't even believe it. I expect nothing more from them the rest of the way. I am happy enough with them just winning a playoff series because it's been 19 years. So uh, that's good. And, of course, Atlanta United finally, finally won, albeit against literally the worst team in North America, but that's okay. It's a win. True. how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, school's going. College football, SEC football started a couple weeks ago, I think two weekends ago, and in Josh and I's part of the world, that is a very big deal. So that's been fun. Uh, again, Falcons. Here, here's my hot take about the Falcons, okay? There is no reason they should win this game. The Packers are better. No reason they should. But they're going to win tonight. 
because there's no reason they should win, just like there's no reason they should not have fallen on the onside kick. Like, there's no reason they should have beat the Panthers when the Panthers were undefeated. So Falcons are going to win tonight and steamroll their way into another 7-9 and nine season. We'll get another <laughs> year of Dan Quinn, and the cycle will repeat. They do this every year. Uh, but, yeah, the Braves, that was kind of cool, kind of a playoff series because it was still, like, a best two out of three. But they start with the Marlins tomorrow, and the Marlins have never lost a playoff series. So maybe we'll break the streak. Maybe the Marlins will win another World Series. Are the Blue the Blue Jays are out, or are they still in it, Connor? I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. Uh, did they, they didn't even make the playoffs, did they? Yes, they did. Watch your mouth, sir. We were they? They were the playoffs. expanded team. Yes, we were an expanded team, and we got just absolutely steamrolled by the Rays. It's the Rays. I have the Rays in the World Series, so that's a pretty respectable opponent. I can't even lie. I didn't even know the Blue Jays and the Rays were in the playoffs. They were literally the only two teams I probably couldn't name. If you were to tell me to name all 16 playoff teams right now, I would have gotten 14 out of 16 of them correct. I think the Rays won the division. Like, they're they're pretty yeah, dang they good. they killed everyone. It was between us and the Yankees. And, yeah, I think we got in either – I can't remember if it was above the Yankees or below them, but we got into one of the wildcard spots, uh, and the Yankees got the other one. But, yeah, the Rays are a – very good team and it wouldn't surprise me to see them go very far like they're that good i picked the braves beating the rays in the world series wow not biased at all by any means for atlanta right but that, that's my prediction say, what what at what point do we mention the fact that you're completely unfairly biased and there's absolutely zero chance of that tampa's happening. having a good sports year the lightning just won the stanley cup i'm talking about the braves Last time the Braves won the World Series, a.k.a. the only time they won the World Series, it was during a shortened season, mind you. It was during a shortened season. Last time MLB had a shortened what season. What year was so, that? 95. Uh, it was, I, missed the, uh, I missed the win. It was like two days before I was born. Three days before I was born. It was my mom's birthday. October 30th? October 28th. Never mind. It was like five or six days before I was born. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is October now. For Halloween season, huh? Yeah, spooky season, as some people like to call it. But anyway, let's talk some soccer. Why would we want to do that? It's not like we're a soccer podcast. <laughs> All right, now that I killed the flow of the show, let's talk fall series. <laughs> um, even though this isn't actually fall series news, Christian Press and Tobin Heath sold more jerseys in these days following their signings than any of the Man- Manchester United male players, which... I assume this is Josh put in. Makes sense because, man, you are terrible. In brackets, go Spurs. Uh, what are your thoughts on the jersey sales being more than all of the Manchester United players, although that could potentially change with the additions of Cavani and Tellez? Well, you know, I, th- I, I couldn't really find... I'm the one who threw the, the little stat in there about Preston Heath. I couldn't really find if they meant... It was just the three-day period, or like there was no specifics on them outselling any of the male players. But I think it's really cool. I think I think if anything, it just proves how big, at the least, women's soccer is here in the states. Because I'm I'm guessing that like almost all the sales were from American soccer fans that are fans of the women's team and Man U fans, or maybe they just wanted an excuse to get a Man U jersey because they're already. Um, women's soccer fan, no women's national team fan. So, you know that that's that's really cool in my opinion that they that they were leading the sales. Yes, man, you were terrible, and I know I put that in there, 
But I mean, you're still dealing with like some of the most popular players in the world with, you know, Paul Pogba and uh, Marcus Rashford, David De Gea. I mean, these are these are big names. So really, really cool to see that. Also, and in some actual fall series news, I just want to say I am so excited about Christy Mewis and Sophie Schmidt. They are fun. They are fun to watch. You expect anything different from the Canadians? Christy is American as much. Okay, Canadian. <laughs> there is it that is. better for you? Christy's coming <laughs> off. Yeah, because the Dash beat the Courage like four one four nil, and Christy had like a goal and three assists. So while Sam is tearing it up in England, Sam scored this weekend. Sam Mewis scored. And speaking of Tobin Heath, she assisted in her debut for Man United. So the Americans are tearing up in Europe. Shocker, almost as if they play on the best team of the world or something like that. But, yeah, it is really cool that Press and Heath have made that kind of impact. I think it's an interesting combo because they're with such a big club like Manchester United that people just recognize that Red Devil crest and they see some of their favorite players like Press and Heath and love the combination of third together. But that is really cool. Um, excited to see how they do in England. Yeah, Heath got off to a good start. Press, I think, got subbed in, and she got a yellow card. So not the best start for Kristen Press. And Rose Lavelle got in this weekend for Manchester City. So it was a pretty good weekend for uh, the women's national team players in Europe. But it was also a really good weekend for the men's national team players in Europe. We're going to start We're gonna start with the lowest bar. Oh, man, my phone fell. We're going to start with the lowest bar, and Serginho Dest got, I think, at like 15 minutes in with Barcelona. It was a 1-1 draw with Sevilla yesterday. Uh, not a whole lot, but I didn't expect him to get any playing time because that transfer felt pretty current. So, Josh, did you did you watch that game, and were you surprised to see him get any time? Because I didn't think he was going to play. I was surprised to see him on the bench at all. So seeing him get, even if it was 15 minutes, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I, I watched his appearance i watched the whole barcelona game i was i got uh, i had three screens going on yesterday between the barcelona game nfl football and the the nascar race but i was a little surprised to see him get in the game i mean not really because they did drop like 25 million on him so they clearly like especially coleman like they clearly have him in their plans so for him to appear i don't think was was that surprising uh it should be noted that I think it was Jordi Alba. He picked up a little bit of an injury, so that's mainly why Dest came on. But I just want to take a second because I don't feel like people are talking about it enough, but we had an American male soccer player play for the Barcelona first team. I mean, this is... I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was watching it with my own eyes, and I, I saw him. I saw him on the field playing, and I still, like, I just could not... I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. So very, very cool. He, again, he didn't really do much, and Sevilla played really well. Barcelona played all right, as you can tell by the 1-1 draw. But, I mean, man, we've got an American player getting first-team minutes with Barcelona, probably, arguably, like the most popular club in the world, most successful club in the world, arguably. So I think that's incredible, and he'll probably start pretty soon, I'm guessing. And then you've also got Conrad De La Fuente, who... He was on the bench yesterday, so I imagine he'll get some playing time soon. So really, really, really cool moment that I just don't think can be understated. 
Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Again, didn't expect to see him, but he got some playing time nonetheless. So quickly getting through a couple other Americans before we get to Connor's beloved Canadian. Uh, we'll start with Chris Richards working up to what I thought was the best performance of the weekend. Chris Richards got an assist with Bayern Munich in his debut. Almost had two assists. Almost had two. It was offside. I forgot who scored the goal or the scored the Thomas goal. Thomas Miller. It, yeah, it was the right call. He was offside, but still a bummer. But then he came back with it got an assist a really good move i don't know i think Lewandowski finished i think he scored the goal yes i have no idea well Lewandowski had four that game so i'm going to assume it was (laughs) yeah he's pretty dang good um yeah i have no idea how he finished that that was a crazy chance but chris richards really get past him at the top of the box so really happy to see him getting the start at all and then when he got when the assist got called off i said that's it like he's not doing anything and then it's like he's playing on a really good team when you have players like that who can finish the chances. So Chris Richards got an assist with his debut in Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich almost lost, though. They only won 4-3 over Hertha Berlin. I think it was like an extra time win Yeah, it was goal. an extra time penalty. Oh, man. Uh, Lewandowski finished it in like the 92nd minute. Uh, but what really stuck out to me in terms of Chris Richards was his delivery is so nice. Like, his crossing is Really, really good for a guy I thought was a center back, but apparently he can now play right back. Um, yeah, I think he's I think he's mainly center back, and hopefully they keep him at center back like long term. I think he's just been kind of helped fill in that gap. But that wasn't his only appearance this week. He also appeared earlier in the week. I can't remember. Was it against Dortmund? I maybe was it was it for their like German Super Cup? I don't know. Connor, it was that you tell us. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you about that game, because that game was nuts. Uh, I guess we can dive into that story now. Uh, but basically, I just fi- finished recording my other podcast, because I do two. Uh, one with a guy who I go to university with called The Big League. You can go check it out on YouTube and all those platforms. Um, but I just finished recording with him and another friend of mine named Seth. And I realized Byron are playing, so I threw the game on. And... Kimmich scored just the absolute weirdest somehow finish. I don't even know how he did that. And I tweeted, uh, I can't remember the exact tweet, but something along along the lines of what a finish that was insane. And Bayern Munich's English Twitter account retweeted me. So I promptly lost my mind. And... uh, I think the tweet ended up getting like 58,000 interactions or uh, impressions and like 300 or so likes, 28 retweets. It was insane. Um, I clearly have not had a tweet since then blow up, but I messaged Josh and Drew like immediately after it happened. Uh, Oh my God, look at what just happened. And that was insane. Like, I don't even know how to describe that. Favorite reply to your tweet was the guy who said, wait, who are you again? That was, I was laughing very hard. It's the at guy that. who edits our podcast. That's who it is, Mr. <laughs> who are you? Hey, I got to ask, Connor, did you, uh, did you uh, shamelessly plug us on that tweet or? I didn't, but the tweet below that was actually an article I just released. <laughs> so I was hoping that Generating would get Generating traffic. Place, yeah, unfortunately it didn't. Um, but yeah, that was insane. Like, I couldn't believe it, the fact that they just randomly retweeted me. I've yeah, 
I really don't know what to say to it. <laughs> it was just so weird. Uh, I threw in the doc because I did want to bring this story up because it is hilarious. Uh, I don't know how to transition this back to Alfonso Davies, but Alfonso whoa, whoa, Davies. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before Alfonso Davies, we have to talk about the greatest North American to ever touch face in the Bundesliga, Gio Reyna. Three assists with Dortmund. Have we, how yeah, we, how are you gonna how are you gonna pass up on the American dream like that, bro? Because the Canadian dream is better than the American dream. Hey, not according to Erling Holland. Okay. We're gonna go off Erling Holland instead of Thomas Mueller? Uh you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Miller Miller's got uh, he's got a little more trophies than Holland, I think. Just like one or two more, but no yeah. one really knows for <laughs> sure. Fifteen years as well. <laughs> But yes, Gio Reyna, fantastic showing. I don't know if you guys saw that game, but I watched, I think I ended up watching almost all of it, but Gio Reyna, a little hat trick of assists, two of them to his good buddy Holland, another on a cross, um, on a corner kick into the box for an Emery Chan header. So he played fantastic. I'll be honest, I don't think anyone should, you know, like do any backflips over this amazing performance because... They were some pretty basic passes, and you know when you're passing to a player like Holland, who's going to finish most chances, it's going to in turn make Reyna look a little bit better than he actually is. But I still don't think anyone should take away from the fact that he got three assists. He's only 17 years old. This is against Freiburg, which isn't like one of the best Bundesliga teams, but they're they're always in the top division. They're never really in in danger of being relegated. They're not like one of the poorer teams, so. For him to come up with the three assists, fantastic. And that was what impressed me about that is the game before, uh, he didn't really play that great. It was kind of under the radar, didn't really make any noise. No one really said anything about the performance. So for him to come back from not a good performance and then put in the three assists, fantastic. Super excited for him. And the takes about him starting for the USMNT haven't gotten old yet. But we'll see. Do you think he should start for the U.S. men's national team? No. Whoa. Why? He's not old enough, not experienced enough. Do I think he should play for them? Yes. But, no, well, let me, let, me, let me reframe this properly. If it was a World Cup qualifier tomorrow, no. If it was literally any other game, then I think he should be considered to start. But if it's a qualifier, definitely not starting. I, he just hasn't, he hasn't played in the big enough games yet come talk to me in six months after he's probably played a couple champions league games probably played a couple bigger bundesliga games and then i'll i might change my mind but he's just still so young and still relatively inexperienced so tomorrow he's you americans are playing the canadians in the gold cup do you start him i would what about you, Drew? I would because it's Canada. Now, if it was Mexico, no. That's that okay. was my thinking too. Actually, if I'm being honest, let's be just real. It's just Canada. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, Canada's good. They're getting better, but it's not Mexico. If we're playing Mexico tomorrow, no. But Canada. by the way, Connor's shirt says "respect" at the top, and we are showing him none of that. Respect the six, baby. It's Toronto Raptors. Got to no. respect our boys. We the North. Uh, I am also appalled by the lack of respect because it appears to me that we in the last two games have beaten you have we not i think we have 
right? No, Last two games. Uh, didn't did we come back bell? and win? Uh, I mean, they're not. It's not Mexico. I would start them. I would start them. Again, Canada's good and they're getting better, but it's they're not Mexico. I would start them against Canada. All right, Canadians have Adam. Uh, although there's probably none listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, what other news do we have to talk about? I guess we could talk about Alfonso Davies now, and we could touch a little bit more on Chris Richards, because I think Chris Richards is going to be a David Alaba. I think he's going to be a hybrid fullback center back. When he's needed, he'll play center back, but I think he'll primarily be a fullback. Although Bayern did just bring in another right back, um, blanking on his name. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they brought him in today from Liga. Uh, so maybe that changes things. But I, Chris Richards was very impressive to me. Alfonso Davies was okay. He came off the bench against Dortmund, didn't really do much. And against uh, on Sunday, um, who did it? Hertha Berlin, I believe, he started at left wing and didn't really do a lot. Like He had a couple of nice dribbles, but he wasn't on the ball a lot. And they moved him back like 80 or 60, 60th to 70th minute. And he played a lot better uh, until he unfortunately got hurt and hit his head. So they brought him off a little bit after that. I think that was just precautionary. And same thing with Chris Richards, who hurt his calf. Uh, he was taken off with that injury. So we'll see whether or not those two are fit for the next match. And we'll see whether or not, well, I assume if Davies is fit, he'll get in because Hernandez is terrible. And Chris Richards, maybe not. Depends on who's healthy, who isn't. Uh, but yeah, what did you guys think of Davies' games before we move on from the Bundesliga? Uh, you know, I would say, if you know, with Davies not having the best of performances, I, I wouldn't put too much stock in him. It seems like he's starting to work his way back into the starting lineup after all the Champions League stuff. He, you know, missed a couple games. Um, and I believe it was because of like minor injury and maybe just giving him some rest. So for him to come back and start finally and not have the greatest of games, not a big deal. He'll quickly find his form, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm the same boat as Josh. It was interesting when they were like showing like the starting 11 graphic, they had Alfonso Davies a little higher up than he usually is, which I don't think he played as well as we've grown accustomed to until, like you said, Connor, he got moved back in his original position. So again, I mean, Davies is arguably the best left back in the world already, so I don't think there's any reason to worry about a, not even a terrible performance, just not the world-class performance we're used to him having, so no worry about it. I think this might have just solidified him being a natural left back and staying in that position because I think he's better there than what we saw in that left wing role that he was in. Um, but really quickly, uh, Christian Pulisic had like 10 minutes for Chelsea. He is coming back to match fitness. Um, I don't even know how Chelsea did. But he got in a little bit. Uh, Anthony Robinson uh, got his first start with Fulham. Uh, they did lose one nothing to Wolves, but got a full 90, so they're good young American. Um, and Brendan Aronson officially on his way to Red Bull Salzburg in January. We've talked about it a little bit, um, but it was made official. I'm not sure when exactly over the past two weeks it was official, but that's really good that uh, that news is official after we've talked about it for a little bit. Yeah, I want to add it's not officially official just because neither club has made a formal announcement so it's safe to say you know definitely wait until that announcement comes but lots of reports saying today that it was finalized since today being transfer deadline day and all that good stuff 
saying that he is going to be joining them and he just won't be getting there until January. So good luck to him. Hopefully he gets some playing time with them. Salzburg are, after all, a Champions League club again for this next year. So that's super exciting. But speaking of Brendan Aronson, as an MLS player, let's get into some MLS news. We have been gone the last couple weeks. Haven't been able to put out an episode. Again, we'll clear that up later. We'll, We'll give you guys some... Special announcement, some good news. But in terms of MLS news, a couple big things. One of them being the Colorado Rapids dealing with a bit of an outbreak with their club. A bit? (laughs) Really, you're going to say a bit? I am being facetious here. They definitely have a big issue. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but for a while there, they had, I think it was like five or six days in a row, players and staff were getting positive tests coming back. I think it's like 14 maybe, which on a a football team, that's manageable, but on a soccer team, not so much. Uh, So they're not in a good spot. They already had one game delayed. They had two Two. delayed, I think I was reading. So they had had the game against Sporting Kansas City and their game against Portland. Both have been rescheduled. The issue is they still haven't gone back to train together as a team. What happened was they shut down their facility, sent the players on their own, said train on your own. The problem with this is they have a game this Wednesday against LAFC. So it's going to be interesting if they're going to actually play that game. Also of note, Colorado, because of their two rescheduled games already with Sporting Kansas City and Portland, they have no open dates left before decision day. So either they're going to end up with one game less which isn't the worst thing in the world because Nashville and Dallas, I believe, are just going to end up with one game less than everybody else, I think, unless they got an extra game added in this final phase. We'll have to follow up on that. But that could definitely be a problem. A couple questions about this, though. Drew, how how are you feeling about the way the league is sort of handled this, how Colorado has sort of handled this? Is this a problem for you that this outbreak occurred and – do you think they should go forward with Wednesday night's game against LAFC? Uh, for I don't think they should go forward with LAFC with the LAFC game Wednesday. But uh, MLSsoccer.com put something out at 1:30 saying that they returned to training today for the first time since I think like September 24th. So that is a long time off, and you're returning. I don't. I assume not every player in staff member is at training because you have quarantine stuff you got to deal with. So while the their return to training, I don't think it's safe to say that's, you know, like the full as if things were normal training. And the game's in two days, um, about 48 hours probably. So because of that, I don't think they should go ahead with Wednesday's game with LAFC. I do think when you're thinking about how to handle this, I would go the route of just having them play one less game or however many less games than other teams. Again, it's not what you want ideally, but it's 2020, stuff's crazy. Maybe you go by winning percentages. Um, about if they're, I don't know where they're on the table exactly, but if you want to go by who makes the playoffs, who doesn't, maybe this outbreak causes you to go by winning percentages, like I think baseball did that because so many teams have played less games. So maybe that's something you could do. Yeah, I do know that Don Garber and the league back when everyone was talking about returning to home markets, he did say that they they were possibly going to go with points per game if they had to if teams couldn't play all the games. So it looks like if Colorado can't play that one last game, if they have to cancel this Wednesday's game against LAFC, 
it looks like they'll just be fine with points per game. And like I said, I don't even know if Dallas and Nashville are going to end up with the full X amount of games that everybody else is going to end up with. But Connor, what are your thoughts on this outbreak among the team? What are your thoughts on sort of the situation and some of the scheduling stuff too? I think they have to go forward with the game. I think while it's tough on Colorado, I don't think they have a choice because it's already such a condensed schedule. Otherwise, you're going to end up with them not playing enough games. If you're comfortable with them not playing a full schedule, go ahead and cancel it. Um, But I think right now from like schedule standpoint, they have to play. I worry about the players and I worry that they're going to get hurt. But at the same time, what are you going to do? Are you just, it's such a tough situation. Like on one side, it's the human aspect of it in these guys just had COVID and now they have to play a game against one of the best teams in the league. It's so tough. Like you flip a coin and yeah, I don't know why you're both laughing hysterically at me for saying LAFC are one of the best teams in the league because they are. Yes, I made a face at that. No, they're not. Okay, I think they are, but we'll it's okay. See. We're gonna talk about it later when we talk about. We got some Cali. We're gonna talk about all the Cali teams. All right, I'm looking forward to that uh, because Diego Rossi is very good. Um, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, you're doing I, it on purpose. I know you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I honestly don't know what Colorado should do. I don't know what MLS should do with Colorado. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a fitness specialist. So I don't know whether or not they could be fit by then, but it's something that they have to figure out probably in the next 12 to 24 hours as of recording this, because you can't really lead these teams in the dark for very much longer because they need to prep for a game or understand that they're not going to play one, but it's just so tough. Yeah, I, I expect this game to go forward. I feel like with this game happening 48 hours from now, we would have heard something by now if the league was considering canceling it. Usually there are enough reporters around the league that can get that sort of scoop. So it's probably going to move forward. And as there have been some reports over the last couple of weeks, it seems like the league has been a little lenient as far as some of the quarantine policies go. Looking at you, Miami and Gonzalo Higuain, and possibly Atlanta United with their newest signing. But I digress. So who knows? Maybe they'll have enough players anyway. Maybe they won't be missing that many players. They might have sort of shortened some of the quarantine periods. Just as long as this doesn't spread to other clubs, I think it's it's fine. We knew that teams were going to deal with players getting positive tests. I mean, not good for Colorado to have it spread within the team. I think that's an issue inside of itself. And hopefully they're looking at what went wrong and figuring out how to stop that from happening again. But hopefully it stays in Colorado and doesn't go anywhere else. Also, don't forget they had to, didn't they have to play a game without fans last year because of the, the prairie plague, the prairie dog plague. I cannot believe that that was like a year ago, by the way. You guys know what I'm talking about? It feels like it was five years ago. Yes, I remember. Exactly. I vaguely remember the plague in Prairie Dogs (laughs) being somehow a thing, which, okay. There was a human plague, by the way, earlier this year. There were, like, actual cases of the plague in humans. I don't know if you guys saw that, but, yeah, 2020, (laughs) 
Prairie Dog Plague honestly wouldn't surprise me if that came back. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just... It's something they needed to prepare for, and they kind of have, but they also kind of haven't. I don't know. It's just such a weird situation right now. For sure. Speaking of clubs and their issues, another big piece of news this past week was the, I don't know what to call it, I guess the sort of fight is the wrong term, but definitely some inconsistencies between, yeah, I was thinking about using debate, but I'm not sure what the, friction, source of friction between clubs and FIFA. There we go. That's what I was looking for. And that is releasing international players. Obviously, with the pandemic, which affects literally everything in everyone's life right now, it's heavily affecting FIFA and releasing players, specifically with Comobol, all the South American countries. They're getting ready to start their World Cup qualifying games this week. Over the last week, they've been putting out their preliminary rosters, final rosters, so on and so forth, which is including, thankfully, lots of MLS players. Really cool. I believe they some people have figured out that this is the highest amount of players being called up for uh, international teams outside of the outside of CONCACAF, outside of North America. So that's really cool. That being said, clubs are reluctant to let their players go because of the quarantine periods upon coming back for some of those players. Now, originally, MLS said they weren't going to release players, and this was in a letter sent to clubs, and I think it was sent to the national teams in South America. FIFA stepped in. And they were like, you can't do this, I think. And then MLS was like, no, 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 no. We're not stopping all players from leaving. It's just on a case-by-case basis. So now what we're left with is some players are going, some are not. Again, it's sort of a case-by-case basis. Perfect point being uh, for New York City FC, Alexandre Mutrita. He is being released to go play with Romania, mostly because his wife is pregnant in Romania so they're letting him go to be with his family and play those games. And then on this is the very same team, I believe it's Alexander Kayans, who they're not letting go. And I think it's to Peru, if I remember correctly. So I think Ring might have been not allowed to go to. Yeah, I think I saw his name in there. I, I might be confusing them, honestly. But one question I want to pose to you guys before we get on to uh, some of the, the games that happened this week. They're going to be missing, looks like, about six MLS matches, which is a lot, especially considering there's only about 10 left for each team, give or take a couple here and there. So, Drew, I want you to pretend that you are in charge of making the decision of letting players go or keeping them. What would you do in this case? Let's And let's go ahead and say that you are... Let me look at the standings real quick and give you a really good example. Let's say you are... DC United. No, because they are not in contention whatsoever. They also didn't allow all four of their players to go. Which is ironic, very ironic. But let's say you are Colorado Rapids, and you've already been dealing with the outbreak, you've been dealing with rescheduled games. Do you let your players go if you know they're going to be missing around six matches? Oh, man. I was hoping you'd go to Connor first because this is a hard one. If Oh, gosh. (laughs) So they're gonna miss. We got about ten games left. They'll be missing about six of them. If I if I'm remembering the standings right, I feel like Colorado's kind of right there when it comes to playoffs. 
They are in seventh out of eight possible teams, but they are only two points ahead of San Jose in ninth. So they are very right there on the playoff bubble. Um, Oh, man. Either way, I'm going to hate my answer. But I am going to say that I would – oh, gosh. I'm reluctant to say – I'm leaning toward the case-by-case basis because – you have situations where we have like wives pregnant and going back to Romania and stuff like that. But then at the same time that creates this weird friction. I feel like among front office and players as to why did you let my teammate go, but not me go like who gets to decide what case is worthy of leaving whether or not. Um, so maybe Connor's going to counteract this point, make for some solid content, but I would, if I am I the manager of the Colorado Rapids, you're just the person in charge of making the decision, okay, whoever sorry, that may be. The GM or something for the Colorado Rapids. So as the fake GM of the Colorado Rapids, my job is to make sure the Colorado Rapids are in the best situation possible to win games. So because of that, I would not let my players go. And considering where I am at the standings, it's even more important that I keep these really good players to make a winning team, and to make the playoffs. So as the fake GM, the MLS Multiplex GM of the Colorado Rapids, I'm not letting my players go. Connor, what you got? I let the player decide. If they want to go, I let them go. If they want to stay, I let them stay. I leave it up to them because ultimately it's A, their decision, B, their risk, and if we're being quite honest, it's borderline more risky to be in the States right now than it would be at that tournament Uh, and see if they think that their team could do it without them. If they think that their team has a chance without them, if they're comfortable leaving their teammates to continue to compete. Sure. If that means we lose games, I'd rather keep this relationship with the player than hurt the standings this year because ultimately COVID is bigger than the standings and this is bigger than our team this is their lives and i want them to make that decision for themselves because they are grown adults they are grown men they can make that decision i don't want to be responsible for someone who potentially gets covid because i said that you must go or i said that you must stay that's where i stand on this you're a much better fake gm than i am connor i will give you that that was a good answer NHL GM mode has prepared me for this moment. <laughs> Josh, what would what would you do if you were MLS Multiplex GM of the Colorado Rapids? I let him go. I I mean, again, Connor's right in saying that you know it's up to the player ultimately because you know let's assume you have four players on your team and all four of them are are called up by their national team. Well, you know, at the end of the day, the choice is theirs. They can refuse the call up or they go. For me personally, I don't think the club should be interfering at all, even if it's in their best self-interest, because at the end of the day, soccer is a global sport, and the history of the game is rooted in international competition, specifically for countries. I mean, the World Cup is the World Cup because all it's international soccer. It's all the countries involved. And so there's that added weight to it. If this was like a couple friendlies, and you told your players none of you are leaving... I can understand that a little bit, 
But at the end of the day, we're starting to get into games with significant importance, especially for these South American clubs. And, you know, frankly, the MLS players that are leaving, they're not going to the best South American teams. They're not going to Brazil. They're not going to Argentina. You know, this is for Peru. This is for Venezuela. Uruguay. The teams that are, yeah, exactly. Teams that are, well, Uruguay's, they, they, they've made the last couple of World Cups. But most of the MLS players are going to countries that maybe are a little bit of a long shot to make it. So it's really important that they get the, those players, their best players. So, yeah, for me, it's just about the history of the game and how important international soccer is between countries. And I, I think that, because at the end of the day, most of the time, what what's a player's biggest goal? It's to win the World Cup. And then probably second right below that is to represent your country. And then right below that is probably all the, the club prestige that you want. So letting him go, I think, is the right answer. In this certain situation, though, given the pandemic and all that, I think Connor's answer is best. Leave it up to the player. Because at the end of the day, it's their risk. So it should be up to them. And the reason I would also make that decision is so that they don't look bad when they turn down the offer. You look bad as the club, you take the hit for the player, which gives you a better standing with the player and creates a better relationship. So you have to think about this in the grand scheme of things and think about this in terms of what the player's ultimate goals are because they don't want to disrespect their national team and then never get called up again. If I stand in the middle of this and say, no, you can't do this, it doesn't close the door for them to potentially play for their national team in the future. Yeah, definitely, definitely very important and key point in that. But getting back into MLS games from this past week, a couple, couple big games, a couple big things. And I know Connor's excited to talk about this, but Toronto FC are on fire right now. They are five straight unbeaten. And since MLS is back in those 10 games, they've won seven. They're doing really well. And all of a sudden, don't look now, I believe they're tied for Supporter Shield standing with Columbus. Yeah, they're both both at 31 points on 15 games. They just had a really, really great stretch. They just beat New York City FC, Columbus, and Philadelphia. Columbus and Philadelphia happened this week. So, Connor, how are you feeling about Toronto FC right now? What what has been the, the biggest reason for their success over these last couple of games against these Eastern Conference powerhouses? One player, Alejandro Pozuelo. He has been spectacular. He was unbelievable against Columbus. He was even better or as good against Philadelphia. He has been just, he has been the MLS MVP. And right now, I don't think there's a discussion about who that should be. If Toronto continue on this stretch, he is the MVP of MLS, period. Uh, I think that they're the best team and the hottest team in MLS, that second half that they played against Columbus was potentially the best soccer I've ever seen them play. They were unbelievable. And Altador, he is not what he used to be very clearly. He finally contributed a little bit and then got hurt. Uh, Gallagher appears like a pretty good replacement for Moro. Uh, he had that really nice cross assist to Akinola, who potted another goal, which was huge. Uh, you look at Richie Larea. That goal against Columbus was insane. That's a fullback doing that. That's a guy who Orlando said wasn't an MLS caliber player. And they cut him. That's who he signed for league minimum. 
If you're Orlando, A, you're kicking yourself. If you're an Orlando fan, I'm so sorry that this happened um, and that you have to deal with this team. But this team is so good. Osorio's been pretty decent in a defensive midfield role, which he isn't used to and is not his primary position. You look at Marky Delgado. He has been spectacular recently. Uh, you look at Mavinga. He's been playing borderline the best soccer he's played in a very, very long time. Like, this team is very, very good, and they're working together, which feels really good to say. And Pablo Piatti, I didn't even mention him, but he's been unbelievable as well. I love the new 4 2 that Toronto's playing with Pazuelo and Piatti in it, attacking midfielders, and Osorio Delgado in it DMs. I think that works really, really well in it. I am very high on this team right now. Unfortunately, once they bring on substitutes, it doesn't work as well, but they're still an unbelievably good team, and I think that they're only going to go up from here if they can even go up because they're playing that well right now. What do you guys think of Toronto FC? Do you think I'm hyping them up a little too much, or do you think that they're as good as I'm saying they are? Yeah, I don't think you're hyping them up too much at all. Um, I think we're on the same page when we talk about Alejandro Pesuelo that they've gone five straight matches unbeaten, four wins and one draw, and he's scored in every single one of those games besides, I think it was a 2-1 win over Montreal was the only game he didn't score in. And even then, he was good, so he's contributing all over the place. Um, He's playing, like Connor said, MVP caliber player. My theory on Toronto FC is that they just cannot beat bad teams. That DC United has their number. That was the one team they didn't beat over this five-game stretch. Um, DC had United, to bring like that said, game up, didn't you? He's got to hit dog. me down a couple pegs. Hey, that's that's they can they can beat the best teams, like we said. They they played really well against Columbus and what three-one win against arguably the best team in the league. But they can't beat DC United. And the last time they lost a game was to none other than the powerhouse Vancouver Whitecaps. So my theory on Toronto FC is that they just cannot beat bad teams. But when you're talking about MLS Cup and Supporters Shield, more so than MLS Cup, it doesn't really matter if you can't beat bad teams because you're playing teams that are in the playoffs. And maybe with this expanded format, maybe they're susceptible to a first-round upset. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, I think, Connor, I think the hype is justified. They're really good. They're playing incredible. Pasuelo is playing up to his name to the price tag. And, yeah, it's going good right now. I think they just got off that really long unbeaten streak last time. I think Montreal ended, uh, so maybe they'll string together another one. But that's my theory on Toronto, that they just can't beat bad teams. But good thing is, when it comes to playoffs, they're not going to be playing D.C. United. They're not going to be playing the Whitecaps. So I think the hype is justified for Connors Toronto. Josh, what do you think about TFC as of late? Yeah, I haven't been able to catch much of their games lately so i've been getting a lot of like secondhand reading about the team and whatnot glowing reports lots of lots of saying that toronto are able to hit another gear that other teams aren't able to which not exactly a surprise i mean this is a team that's been to three of the last four mls cups so you know that that's that mentality is basically ingrained i i will say that you know i don't think it's worth getting super hyped up over because narratives in soccer in general just shift so quickly so i mean they could lose to new england this wednesday and then lose to whoever they play on saturday which is 
someone. FC Cincinnati. They're not going to lose to FC Cincinnati. They so, can't beat bad teams. They can't beat bad teams. If if they keep, if they somehow, I just I I won't I don't I can't fight you on that. So if they drop points in both of those games, I think we're going to be talking completely differently about this team on Monday next week when we do our next podcast. So that I think we can take this success with a grain of salt. That being said, though, I mean the way they've performed against. Specifically, Columbus and Philadelphia. Again, two of the best teams in the league right now. For them to go beat both of them, and they're doing all of this while they're away from home because they're stuck in this stupid country. So that that in and of itself is impressive. Hopefully, for them, they can continue being this good, and they don't have injuries that they're going to have to deal with. Although it is Toronto, so undoubtedly they're going to get three to four major injuries in the next couple weeks. Well. Altador did hurt his hamstring, but apparently that's not very serious. So we're hoping for that. And we're also doing this without Michael Bradley. So <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, but what I did want to say is that Hartford field is unbelievable. Have you guys like seen how good it is? It's where not Connecticut late. plays football, I think. University yeah, of I haven't seen the games lately, but I know I think that's the same stadium that the U.S. men's national team plays in and women's team plays in occasionally for international matches. So it must be pretty good. It is unbelievable. I'd say it's borderline better than BMO Field. Like the pitch quality is so so good. Not having Nergos play on it probably helps. What, is, what is what would Giovinco say? <laughs> Giovinco would love this pitch. Uh, I guarantee you that. Another thing is. We replaced Sebastian Giovinco with Alejandro Pozuelo. Those are two yeah. home run signings back-to-back for Toronto. So whoever their scouting department is, they're doing good things. Uh, let's move on because we've gone, we're going for 50 minutes, um, and we still have to talk about like a page of notes. Um, Cali Clubs, you guys wanted to get into that. So what do we have to talk about for Cali Clubs? I wanted I threw that up there because they are they are all going through it right now. All three of them. They are just on you know the I don't know well I, Connor probably can't answer this. But Drew, have you been to Universal in Orlando? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know the Harry Potter roller coaster ride with the dueling dragons? Yes. Yeah, where the dragons come together. Yes. Yes, yes. That's exactly what is happening with the California soccer clubs right now. All three of them, they're all on a roller coaster on their own track, but they're like weaving in and out through each other. And like, they're like beating each other, but they're also like going up and down on their own. So San Jose, who has been at its probably the lowest point of any team in the league this year, been a laughing stock at some points. They've won two straight against, you guessed it, the other LA teams. And this was after their 5-0 loss to Colorado and 6-1 loss to Portland and the 7-1 loss to Seattle. And yet somehow they've come around and beat the other two LA, LA teams. I Pretty surprising. Yes. I can't get over. Why can't I have gone to Universal? Why can't I be included in that discussion? Have you have been? Have you been to Universal? Yes. <laughs> in Orlando? My really? Bad. My yes. bad. You made, oh, did, wow. you do the, did you do the Harry Potter ride? Uh, I don't think I've the been there Dueling since Dragons. they put that in. But okay, that's fair. It is pretty like... new, I think. All right, you, you know what? You're right. It was wrong for me <laughs> to assume. As as someone who lives just eight hours away from Universal, I've only been once, so I I apologize, Connor. I think I've been twice, maybe three times. See, even more of a reason for me to just not assume in the first place. So yeah, definitely one of my the biggest bad. tourist destinations in the U.S. And you assume that the Canadian hasn't <laughs> been there. 
you do realize that everybody travels to other countries as opposed to their own countries first, right? Well, actually, maybe not the case in the U.S. because nobody travels in the U.S., but you get what I'm saying. Yes, I, I am. I, I am sorry, Connor. I, must, I do I'm apologize. I'm going to correct you every time you say that. <laughs> That's fair. You, <laughs> you, you deserve that. You get that right. <laughs> All right. Now that I've sidetracked us enough, San Jose is insane. How are they like? How do you go from getting absolutely decimated to beating two teams who are supposed to be up there as the best in MLS? Well, I think part of it is. I mean, you look at you look at LAFC and you look at the Galaxy and. Again, they're on their own roller coaster ride right now. Uh, LAFC haven't won consecutive games since the MLS's back tournament, and they're just all over the place right now. As you both can see in the document, it's just like back and forth between winning and losing. And then Galaxy, who won their first four games after MLS is back, they can't do jack, and they haven't won in five games since Chicharito got back in the lineup. And he scored all of one goal for them this season. So I, all I want to ask to either of you is, I'll start with you, Drew. Is the Chicharito transfer a failure? And two, which of these three teams is the most intriguing to you right now and why? Oh, man. I'm going to start. Who should I start? I'm going to start with the three teams, and then I'll get the Chicharito because I need to think about that. But... I'm not totally sold on San Jose. I thought the game against LAFC, LA, it was when I watched and thought about the LAFC San Jose game, I thought more about what LAFC didn't do versus what San Jose did. I thought LAFC had a ton of chances they didn't put away. Although um, I think it was Mark, no, in the Galaxy, Marco, Marcus Lopez, I think, scored this absolute golazo. So credit to them. But again, the Galaxy, not the not what you think of when you think LA Galaxy. That's not who they are right now. Um, out of these three, I think I'm going to say LAFC because I have to kind of roast myself here because our last episode, <laughs> I said that the Whitecaps were going to beat LAFC because like they were totally different directions. Like the Whitecaps were doing pretty good. LAFC was doing bad. And then LAFC then won like seven to nothing or something like I think it was six to nothing. I think it was the final score line. So I don't know what's going on with LAFC. So because of that, I'm going to say they're the most intriguing because I still don't think San Jose is good. The Galaxy have just been downhill since, which leads me to the Chicharito failed transfer on the field because this is an interesting transfer, right? I think there's some marketing value to this guy. I think there's no telling how many jerseys they sold, how much money they made off of having his name, his likeness for the team. So from a marketing perspective, no way. Even though he's not doing that good on the field, they made a lot of money off Chicharito. Is it a fail transfer? I don't I don't know the exact details of the contract, but I mean it's weird to call a transfer failed when he hasn't even finished the he another full if he plays like this for another full season then yes. It's not going in the right way. I'm hesitant to say failed on the field. But again, he brings it's like Ibrahimovic to the galaxy. Like you're gonna sell jerseys, you're gonna make a ton of money off this guy. Um, so I'm hesitant to say failed transfer yet, but if nothing changes, cause he could like turn around and win golden boot next year, who knows what the heck's going to happen in MLS. So I'm hesitant to say failed, but it's going in the right direction. I would say failed way before I would say this transfer is a success. So Connor, what do you think about Chicharito's performance in MLS so far? 
And which of these three teams is most intriguing? It all depends for me on, A, when we get the jersey data, because I think they do release that, who is, like, most selling yes. jersey. Um, mm-hmm. B, your marketing thing was huge. That's very, very good point, because that's huge in L.A. when you have a pretty big Mexican community and uh, Latino community, having somebody of that stature in Mexico, big plus. Saying that, he cost you a whole lot of money. And I think if he's still playing like this by July next year, we can call it a failed transfer. But because of COVID and how weird this season has been in general, I don't think you can call this failed just yet. I think it's too early to tell. But it, as Drew was saying, it's training in that direction. In terms of which team I find most promising, it has to be LAFC because they are currently still playing without their best player in Carlos Vela. And two of their players just called, got called up to the Uruguayan national team. So when you have two guys going to one of the best national teams on the planet and your best player is injured, it makes sense that you're going to struggle a little bit. So I, I think it's... It's got to be LAFC because LA Galaxy just don't have it and San Jose are just not very good. So, yeah. What do you think, Josh? Is it a failed transfer? Well, I'm, I'm going to bundle this together because to me, the Galaxy are the most intriguing team right now because they have the talent to compete. But there is a major disconnect between... Th- three parties are involved right now, right? It's, it's Guillermo Barroscoloto, the head coach... It's the team, and then it's Chicharito. And right now, those three things are not even close to working in harmony for some reason. So GBS can get enough out of the team when Chicharito isn't playing, as proven to us. But when he is, all of a sudden, nothing's working. That's what confuses me. Now, if you had to, if if I had to give you a straight answer right now about Chicharito being a failed transfer, I would say yes. Like right now. Although I'm with you guys, I'd, I'd like to see it out and see what he can do. It's just been a weird year in general. and But here's the main thing. Is GBS going to even be around next year to coach Chicharito? I think at this point, you've... If, if I was... I don't know who Scoloto's boss is at, at LA Galaxy. I don't know who's the next rung above him. But if I'm that guy, I'm saying, Hey man, uh, you need to figure this out or you're fired. If you can't figure out how to get Chicharito playing well with the rest of the team like you've shown us you can, then you're gone. Because if you can't figure out Chicharito and at the least him and Pavone, then clearly this team can't do anything. And in in terms of comparing Zlatan and Chicharito, yeah, the off off field stuff is there and you get the hype and you get some of the attention. However, Zlatan helped this team get to the playoffs. He put them on his back. Chicharito has done nothing, nothing, which as a, as a neutral fan, as a fan of the league, it's infuriating because LA Galaxy should be good. Pavone was playing well. Now all of a sudden Chicharito's in there and you guys can't do a dang thing. So I, I personally, I'm extremely frustrated watching what's happening with the Galaxy. Speaking of being frustrated, let's talk some Atlanta United real quick as they have put together a masterful performance over what is the only worse team than them. So good job, Atlanta. You, you got the job done. You did what you were supposed to do. 
Drew, I want to ask you this one question because I think it's the most interesting question on the document. Are you convinced that this is the start of a turnaround? No, not at all. And because they play Orlando City Wednesday, which any other year, that would mean a free three points. But in this situation, I don't want to play Orlando. So, And it's D.C. United against one of the worst teams. Not one of. It is the worst team in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, credit to them. They played a bad team. They got it done. I think it's going to boost the confidence. Um, but I'm not convinced the start of a turnaround. Good goal by Brooks Lennon. That was a golazo left foot. He played really well. And, yeah, but no, still not the start of a turnaround. Um I'm not convinced because we play – it's really weird to say this, but because we play one of the best teams in the league on Wednesday, and I'm referring to Orlando City, but that's just how it is right now. So, no, I do not think it's the start of a turnaround. Uh, before we get to Josh's Atlanta fan perspective, Connor, as a wonderful neutral, do you think this is Atlanta United's 4 nothing win over D.C. United? Is the, Do you think that is the start of something better in Atlanta? No. <laughs> you have no DPs, and your uh, well, your DP is injured, and Barco is he even playing right now? Nope, that's a that is a whole nother can of worms that we can't even open tonight. Exactly. So I don't think it gets any better from here for Atlanta. I think it gets better next season when you get Joseph back, but this season is going to be a very tough one for you. I did want to jump back quickly to the Galaxy thing and just say. Chicharito's transfer screams Jermaine Defoe to me. I think he's hmm. going back to Me- I think he's going to end up in Mexico, and they're going to do a similar thing as to what Toronto FC did with Jermaine Defoe. That's what it just seems too similar to me personally. Um, but yeah, Atlanta. It was a good performance, and they beat DC, who have a decent attack, but. They suck, so I don't think this is a turnaround. Josh, what do you think? I think that Atlanta United, again, they got the job done. They beat what I think is the worst team in the league. Side note, Ben Olsen, very dumb for trying to sub on a player that wasn't in the game day 18. We have to bring this up. This is just embarrassing for MLS. Oh, no, we absolutely have to bring it up. It was hilariously awful. It was just so stupid. And then for him to, he's telling Stephen Glass, the Atlanta interim, to shut up. It's like, dude, what, what, are, you, what are you doing right now? Like, you literally just tried to sub on a guy. Like, first of all, the refs were nice and didn't give you a red card. They were nice and let him come back off the field <laughs> and let you sub in an actual player. So you should have just shut up and tried to, help your abysmal team get a point. But instead, he was trying to talk trash, which I thought was just so hilarious. So I can't wait to see what kind of fine comes down. Oscar Pereja went through something similar back in 2018 with Dallas. They had a player, I think I think a player played or was on the bench when they weren't supposed to be. So that's going to be interesting. Also, I think there's a fair amount of blame that has to go to the referees, too. There is supposed to be a, a fourth ref that's not the normal fourth ref, ref. There's supposed to be another referee down there that's checking the lists and making sure that that never happens. No, they definitely missed that somehow. So good look for the league to have two of the worst teams playing each other and have that happen as well. 
But we were moving on. Player of the week. We're going to talk about the last two real quick. Alan Pulido won this week's today. He had two goals against Houston and a 2-1 SKC win. I picked Brooks Lennon to win. I thought having a goal and two assists for an Atlanta team was huge. Although, to be fair to the rest of the media that didn't vote Lennon, that's fine. Atlanta's not a good team. Typically, you know, a player of the week is on a good team. Speaking of, Richie Larea won last week. Very deserving. If not, I mean, well, he had a goal. Okay, yeah. Goal and two assists in that 3-1 win over Columbus. I voted for him just for the goal because that was just such an exceptional play all by himself. He's definitely an underrated player, even if he is starting to get some recognition. Finally, Connor, who do you think should have won this week's Player of the Week? I think we don't do one week. I think we do two weeks, personally. Okay. I think we go, because we missed a podcast, we make a two-week Player of the Week. And my two-week Player of the Week would be Alejandro Pozuelo because he was so good against Columbus. He was so good against uh, Philadelphia. He was very good against, Mon- uh, not Montreal, New York. I feel like he's my player of the week over the last two weeks, and I know he got a lot of votes for this week's player of the week, and it's unfortunate that he lost, but I understand Polito. Uh, Drew, who is your, either you can do two player of the weeks or your two-week player of the week. Go ahead. <laughs> I am going to do both. And it's kind of a cop out because I think we've mentioned all three of these players. But as far as if we're grouping this into two weeks, I think Vesuelo is the way to go just because he's kind of been steam leading the head in this TFC really good stretch of game. So if we're going one player over the past two weeks, Vesuelo, I agree with you on that. Um, Richie Larea, I thought, deserved to win it last week. One goal, two assists against a really good team. Like Josh mentioned, when you're talking about player of the weeks, you want to see it. For a player that's on a good team doing good stuff against another good team, and Larea had a really good performance involved in all three goals against one of the bigger matchups, I think, this season, because it's two of the best teams in the league. And to see Larea step up against one of the best teams in the league, I thought was really impressive, and he very much deserved that award. Um, but for this week, this past week, I am sticking with Atlanta just because it feels like we don't get a whole lot of time to mention good things Atlanta players have done. I'm saying Brooks Lennon as well. Um, yeah, like Josh had a goal and two assists, and his goal was absolutely phenomenal. Smacked it with his left foot. I think not the best goal in LA United history, but it's up there. So I think Brooks Lennon should have won it this week, but again, um, Polito, I totally understand. So yeah, I think Josh already told us. Josh, have you told us who you think should have won it yet? Yeah, I, last week I picked Lorea, and this week I picked Brooks Lennon. Okay, cool. So good but yeah again all those understandings but a little standings update um in the east we talked about that match with toronto and columbus a uh, really big deal for Toronto to get all three points but they're still not ahead of columbus in the standings they're both tied on points but columbus gets the nod because they have a better goal differential um and like we said dc united appropriately at the very bottom of the east um, but the top three in the east columbus toronto and orlando and going over to the West, uh, we have a little bit of Cascadia action. Seattle and Portland are the top two, while SKC is in that third-place spot. Um, guys, I guess we'll start with you, Josh. Not just the top three, but in all the standings as a whole, whether it be the West or the East, is there anything or any team that is sticking out to you by where they are in the standings right now? Yeah, I still think Seattle is the best team in the league. I know that Columbus and Toronto, especially, you know, they're playing well and everything. But 
I mean, you you're looking at Seattle, and one of the thing that stands out, one of the things that stands out to me is their goal differential, especially compared to the rest of the West. No one has a greater than goal, uh, a greater goal differential than six, Dallas, except for Seattle, whose goal differential is 19. And yes, I know they beat San Jose by six goals. Fine, take the six goals away. They still have a, a goal differential of 13 which is twice as much as the next best in the West. So I think that's substantial. I think it just speaks to how dominant Seattle has been in the West, and I think we should go ahead and pencil them in to make the cup against Toronto. Shocking. I know. Not this I think again. we would just be so surprised. But these are two clubs that have clearly figured it out. So that's really all that I got for the standings. We going back to back. Um, <laughs> I... Inter- Good reference. Uh, As he's wearing the Respect the Six shirt. This is yeah, Connor's Toronto perfect. episode. I like this. Hit that one out of the park. Um, I My notable thing is that the top three teams in the league are in the East. I thought that was really interesting. The fact that Seattle isn't up above Orlando, Columbus, or Toronto. I don't know what the cause of that would be, but... It's probably because Seattle, Portland, and Sporting have played one less game than the top three East teams. So if you wanted to pretend that they all got three points, then the gap would be a little bit closer. But you're right. It's still pretty impressive that the East, the top end of the East is doing that much better than the West. We haven't seen that in a while. It's good to see. I like seeing the competition in the East as that continues to grow. It's good not just having the two LA teams in Seattle dominate everything. Um, But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Drew, do you have anything to add to the standings, or do you want to go to the games to watch? I have something really quick to mention before we get to games to watch, and you kind of just alluded to it, Connor, when you talk about who you typically expect to see at the top of the West. You expect to see Seattle, you expect to see Portland, and you expect to see the two LA teams. Well, the LA Galaxy are dead last in the West. Granted, they played one less match than, yeah, take a look, home dogs. Um, they played one less match than the Whitecaps. So, and it, so take that with a grain of salt as you will. But the Galaxy are last in the standings, 12th um, with 14 points. The Whitecaps are tied with a couple other teams with 15. Um, wait, no, they have 15 points. Yeah, yeah. So then the Whitecaps are down there dead last. So that's surprising to me because when you think of the Galaxy, you think of Powerhouse. So to see him down there is kind of funny. Um, Why are they? Sorry to cut you off. Why are they at the bottom? They've played a game less than Vancouver, and they have a better goal differential. Because they they did some points. They're tied for points, though. Oh, with Vancouver. I see what you're saying now. Oh, yeah, that's odd. Uh, It might be goals four. They have the same that goals for. That is the tiebreaker. <laughs> they have 18 goals for. Can what? it be because they have more wins? Because oh, I, I don't really know how this works. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the next tiebreaker. Uh, they have five wins. Okay, that's why. That it's a weird tiebreaker, but, I mean, it is MLS. So <laughs> what do you expect? Sure. And speaking of MLS, if the Galaxy win just one game, bam, they're back in the playoffs. So Tight. Love that. Love this I, league. I hate it. I hate it so much. Everybody, so, you you get a playoff spot. You get a playoff spot. <laughs> but so that's what sticks out to me is that the fact that the powerhouse LA Galaxy are down there with DC United, FCC, FC Cincinnati. But getting ready for games to watch, um, I will give my first game to watch. I went back and forth on this, and I 
Last time we were here, I talked about the Vancouver Whitecaps. I picked them to upset LAFC. I was dead wrong. I'm sticking with the Whitecaps for my game to watch because they play San Jose. I want to see if San Jose can keep this going. I'm still not super high on them, and they've won two in a row, so San Jose is due for another 6-0-5-1 collapse. And I want to see how Vancouver does, so my game to watch is San Jose-Vancouver. That's rounding out Wednesday night. So that's my game to watch. Connor, what's the one game you're keeping your eye on this week? I'm going Toronto-New England. I know, what a shocker. Uh, Those are two pretty good teams. Uh, I believe New England are pretty high in the standings as well. Um, uh, Yeah, they're sixth. So I think that'll be a good match. They played at MLS's back, and I can't remember the result. I think they beat them. Barely. It might have, they either beat him or uh, Drew, so we'll see whether or not that is a good match. Uh, I think I was going to say Seattle versus LAFC, but LAFC suck, so <laughs> that may not be a very good game. Uh, but Josh, what is your game of the week? Speaking of the LA teams, we've talked about them a lot today, but I'm going Colorado, LA Galaxy. I am very intrigued because, especially if Colorado doesn't play the game on Wednesday night against LAFC because this game against the Galaxy is on Saturday. So I'm I'm interested if the Galaxy can literally figure out how to score a goal, which is the only goal in a soccer game. And can Colorado stay above the playoff line because they are sitting okay in seventh. They're two points ahead of San Jose, who's just in that first spot out of the playoffs. So I'm really interested, um, you know, to see if, if they can stay up on that playoff line. That concludes all of our soccer talk. But before we go, a quick announcement about some slight changes with the podcast. Yeah, uh, I guess I could talk about this. I'll let Drew talk a bit more about it because he's been pushing for this move for a long time. Uh, but we are officially a part of Fansided podcast now. Uh, we agree to joined their platform last week. Um, It was in discussions for a couple weeks before that. In terms of what will change, we're not 100% sure where the podcast is going to go up uh, initially, but check out our Twitters. We will tweet it out for sure. Um, Hopefully that'll be up Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night, depending on if I finish an assignment early or not. Um, But yeah, hopefully not a lot will change. That's the hope, but we aren't 100% sure what's going to happen. We're still trying to figure stuff out, and this is our first episode back, but maybe, Drew, you can talk a bit more about just what this entirely means. Yeah, like Connor said, um, when we started the podcast, this was the end goal, so it's super awesome to get there. And yeah, I mean, we're a fan-sided podcast. We're the fan-sided Major League Soccer podcast. Website, so to have this officially join the network is super exciting. Um, and yeah, we agreed to it last week, I think, and we're still in the works. Obviously, Fanside has a lot to deal with, a lot of websites across their network, so they got a lot on their plate. Um, but we are talking in the works about getting that. I don't think a whole lot's going to change. I think it's going to be the same, same old stuff. It might change a little bit as far as where you get the podcast. Um, but again, like Connor said, be sure to check the Twitter because we'll keep you guys updated as we are updated. And a good way to keep up with our Twitter is to know where we are on Twitter. So you can find Connor at CWG Somerville, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, and MLS Multiplex at MLS Multiplex. Um, as we get this thing going and get moved around a little bit, again, not a whole lot's going to change. So it's going to be 
the same old content, talking the same old soccer. So we're really excited about that. But again, visit us on social media to get all the updates about the move and just our rants on soccer. Um, so be sure to visit us on social media and be sure to visit the website. Um, the three of us, along with our other awesome team of writers, is cranking, cranking out a lot of really awesome stuff as young Americans are tearing up in Europe and just MLSs keep going. So please go visit the website at MLSMultiplex.com and leave us a review. We love hearing your guys' feedback and hearing how we can get better as we keep going on. So again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.